Oddities, late night movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre or more off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel, but sometimes they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I played a psychic in an episode of a cop show, and they say it's a real thing. We are continuing on with Monstober with the one and only, as far as we know now, Zach, substitution of Monstober. I really want to bring this up at the start because Zach had something else planned for this spot until he saw the movie we're discussing today. And I have a really specific kind of layout that I want to talk about this, uh, this movie, how we got to this movie, all of our thoughts. And right before I throw over to you, Zach, with that question of how did we skip The Evil Dead for this movie, I want to just say that we are very happy to have LaShawn from LJ's Garage here once again. Thank you for being here, LaShawn. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was excited. I actually had no idea what this movie was about, and I'm glad you guys invited me to, you know, watch it. Talk oh, about it. yes. I, I think we're making good on a promise from back in uh, the end of... I don't even think it was, it was the end of Monstober. It was the end of the 2004 year when you were here for Jeepers Creepers. You know, once Zach learned of your knowledge for horror, he just wanted you back here on the podcast. And we are so happy to have you back to talk about horror. So, Zach... Now, here's the question. Like I set up, this is a substitution. This is a last-minute change. You took out The Evil Dead, one of the most famous horror movies of all time, one of the most, you know, iconic horror movies of all time, to talk about 2021's Malignant, directed by James Wan. Zach, the floor is yours. This is your baby in Monstover. What are we doing here? Oh God, Rob. Okay, first I want it to be said that months, like every Monstober, it goes through multiple draft iterations. As Rob says, this is not really a substitute. It's me just changing the game plan very late. Like this is an audible, <laughs> more or less. This that's what this is. No, like uh, Evil Dead. I want to talk about that, but a lot of that had to do with the fact, that, like, is you've heard previously in the four, oh, God, four year, oh geez, uh, in Monstor so far <laughs> that Rob came to New York. This is uh, evidently being recorded after all that. Oh yes, the- that's a good point. The audio quality for this episode will be vastly better than the rest of Monstover. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so like I, I already warned Rob about this. I want to apologize in advance for making everybody suffer through the Candyman episode. What we're going to have in this discussion, what we're able to extract from Malignant, is what I wanted during both the Candyman as a movie and a discussion. Okay. And that's why – because I – okay, I guess this is context time. We actually saw a preview for this in front of Candyman 2021, and Rob's comment was, and I quote, this is the movie YouTube keeps telling me I need to see. Yes, End yes. quote. And – the trailer for this, which we'll definitely delve into the marketing of this, because I think that plays a major cornerstone in just discussing this film, looked, oh, God, very bland, very boilerplate, very safe. And so, like, any other type of horror movie that's released this time of year, we discarded it. It wasn't until, I want to say, like, the Thursday night or Friday when Rob and I recorded the Scary Tales episode, turnstile moment – 
that like I saw some of the reviews for this because the review embargo for this was very, very late, like something like hours before the film debuted on HBO Max. And the reviews were like, oh, James Wan made like, uh, uh, oh God, I don't even know what the, the correct terminology would be, but he made a masterpiece of just schlock. And I'm like, okay, like James, James Wan is a very prolific filmmaker. Like he's done everything from Saw to The Conjuring to Fast and Furious Seven to Aquaman. I'm like, what does that even mean? He's did like all this stuff, and I'm like, whatever. So I over the like after Rob left after I saw Rob in New York, I kind of sat on it for a couple of days, and I kept reading more and more stuff about how like I saw like friend of the show Sleepy Skunk from our Lee the Battle Angel episode was like to everyone who bought a ticket to Aquaman and made that a billion dollar movie, thank you. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, like like Lewis Sleepy Skunk is one of the most cynical jaded people when it comes to movies. I'm like, if he's appreciative of a movie, it must be noteworthy. Then I watched like the first 15 minutes of the Red Letter Media review of Malignant where they kind of gave away what was happening in the movie. And I'm like, okay, I I cannot watch any more of this. Like I just shut it down. And that weekend at the Hyde Park Drive-In, as Rob knows, they were doing a double feature of Malignant in The Shining. And I'm like, well – and I'm like, well, God damn it. I guess I'm going to the drive-in even though I kind of hate the drive-in. And I saw this at the drive-in last – Last weekend, or well, a week ago, and I just had the time of my life watching this, and I was like, that night, I I was just obsessed with this film. Like, I sent Rob a message. What Rob? At like four in the morning. Well, four in the morning my time. There, there was and a really I, weird timestamp of when I got a text from Zach with a YouTube <laughs> link, and the YouTube link turned out to be him speaking to me. <laughs> That's the thing. And so, like, I sent Rob a message. I bought a malignant poster off eBay. Yep. Um, I, I just, I, I was enthralled. Uh, but we'll definitely get into more specific thoughts about this film, but that's the context. Okay. And at that point, I was, again, like I told, again, the joke with Monstober is Monstober is not locked in stone until the Rob is done editing it. Because <laughs> I don't even say editing it until it's uploaded to Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Because there's always a possibility that I want to just change something. Um, I am not decisive at all when it comes to Monstober. So it and sounds like, like said, Zach, oh. what you're saying is that, you know, you saw this movie and you had such a reaction to it that you demanded we talk about it right yes and pl- okay and plus it was the it idea too it even goes back to with LaShawn. we talked about jeepers creepers and i and also in the others discussion and where i was like god damn it like i wish i could have had LaShawn on for this yeah i don't I know if LaShawn had listened to that episode it. but there's an episode in uh the last few months where we discuss a horror movie called the others and at some point zach goes after, you know, being angry and, and, you know, exhausted with me talking about horror, he goes, I wish I knew what LaShawn thought about this. <laughs> so Zach clearly oh, holds man, LaShawn no, as the, like yeah, the horror aficionado of us. But I, I want to just, you know, branch off of what you said, Zach. My context is, yeah, this is a movie I saw YouTube advertise me a bunch. There was a long time that I thought this movie was a Shudder original. And eventually, when I learned it was not, it was going to be an HBO slash theatrical release, I still had no interest in seeing it because the advertisement basically made me think, oh, is that like that Fringe episode? Because the advertising for this movie, Malignant, was basically like a girl has an imaginary friend and she starts seeing visions of murder, 
which is exactly a fringe episode. I never would have watched this movie if it were not for Zach after, you know, all this time going, hey, we should discuss this on the podcast. Or not we should, we have to. He put his his foot down and took control of this podcast. (laughs) So that's my context. And I don't want to give any of our thoughts yet on what we think about this movie because, LaShawn, I have to ask you, what is your context? Did you know about this movie before we, you know, I reached out to you about this guest spot, or was this something that you just was thrown your way? So I had no idea what this movie was because okay. I'm, I'm I'm spoiled and I have a YouTube Premium, so I don't get ads. And so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's a good flex, right so, there. <laughs> um, funny enough, um, I was reading some comments on TikTok the other day. Don't ask about TikTok, but <laughs> I realized that there are people in this world that don't watch movie trailers. And ironically enough, I was one of those people. I watched a movie for the first time without seeing the trailer. So I was actually just trying to watch the trailer as we speak. And uh, yeah, I had no idea what this movie was, but I'm glad that I found it. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay, right on. Well, I guess then, Zach, unless there's anything else you want to say, uh, should we say right now, spoiler alert? Was there any other general thoughts you wanted to give? Or yeah, we... <sighs> yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, but okay, uh, can we just go around and say whether we we recommend the film before we put the before we say we give anything away? What do you mean by recommend? Oh, that's a that's a you know, really Rob, important seen, question I, for me. I know, Rob. It's the idea that I know we have our questions at the end, but this is also a new release that I think you would agree with me. You want to go into as blind as possible. Are you are you are you going to dispute that? I kind of want to start by going around the room saying we would give it a positive or negative review. That's fine. Review or rating, like as in like thumbs up, thumbs mm, down. Mm, rating, I guess. If you want to say thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, rating, you know, review will be more detailed. So rating, yeah, because I, uh, I, I whole I've, part- uh, yeah, I, I know Zach's thoughts, so Zach, you can start. Okay, I okay. I guess spoiler alert. Please don't listen. If you haven't seen this movie, you're even slightly <laughs> inclined to watch it, please stop listening. I beg you. I know Rob hates it when I do that, but I'm doing it anyway. I I think okay. This is my. I watched this movie. It was at the drive-in. I couldn't wait to watch what dummies' reactions were going to be to this. And to the left of me in the drive-in, I had a bunch of. I can't. I, they had to be like people, college kids. And like I talked to the person next to me like that was stupid. And my response was not all masterpieces are tens out of ten. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh LaShawn, you said that you saw this just you learned about it and watched it basically all at once. What do you think? Positive or negative, good or bad, you know? What's your rev- what's your rating? So uh my quick answer to that would be I actually thought it was well done and been better but i think the premise of it and the delivery of it i would say a solid 85 percent is what i'd give it b plus yes okay okay well i guess that makes me the dissenter i thought this movie was garbage no i was so i was so against this movie i thought it was garbage and when i say garbage i not in the sense that i hated it i think it was garbage in the sense of pure down the line superficial bullshit like this was a waste of a movie and i want to get into that i want to get into that about why i think that but no, I knew. Please don't. Have you learned nothing in almost four years of this podcast? This Are we movie going right back to men, women, and children. This movie oh, is God, dumb Rob. and thinks yes. that its audience is dumber. 
<laughs> no, it doesn't. It's, 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 oh my God. This movie is stupid it. and stupid no. on top of stupid. I could not get behind this. That's the all. point, Rob. That's the point. I don't think that's the point. I don't, I, I, Zach knows if stupid's the point, I can pick it out. This is not the point. This was this is stupid beyond stupid. So okay, God, LaShawn, welcome God, to this contentious God, discussion. It, Rob, I kind of knew you. this was going to happen. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you, Rob. I hate you so much. I hate you so much. Rob. So now that this is out there, now that this has been all put in the uh, the ether with the three of us, Zach, I still think you should lead this discussion because my questions come from. Why is this something that you like? So I would love for you to describe, well, what what is the the instantiation of us discussing this on Cinemodities? Because like we said, this was a you watched it, you said we need to discuss it, and you pushed out the evil dead for this, which is an objectively phenomenal movie. <laughs> I it's oh my god, Rob, do we, do we, we have to go back to what the point of this podcast is? Um I think we've okay. established we both have different ideas for this podcast. <laughs> I get I, I, yes, but in four years, clear almost four years, we have not made any ground. Um, okay, Rob, this is this is everything I want out of a movie. This is schlock played straight, and this is another. This is gonna be men, women, and children again. That's why I think it's so frustrating. Uh, I, I don't know. Argument- so, so one thing I want to track down, not to get involved with your overture that you're about to give. One thing I want to track down is if it's played <laughs> try- okay, straight. I want. I, I don't know if it's played know. straight. He's gonna try to be the intel- he's gonna try to be the academic intellectual of this. That's how he's trying to frame this. I don't want you to buy into it. This <laughs> I can see this is slot garbage. He's going folks, I know now what he's gonna try to do, and I'm gonna warn you against it. I think LaShawn is getting the idea of why he's here. LaShawn is is, is <laughs> like, oh, I had to be the mediator mediator to this. <laughs> I'm so frustrated with you, Rob, right now. Numbers. I know Rob's got those budget numbers. <laughs> It's a forty million dollar budget. That's why, Fred. It's a lot of money. Okay. It's a lot of money for fucking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I think I. Every thank you, Lashawn. He's gonna be the voice of reason in this episode, Rob. Um, Let Let's okay. start the there. Reason- let's start there, Zach. Here's my big question: that when you pitched this, you were like. Before I watched it, you know, you said to me, you got to watch Malignant. We're going to talk about it. You know, HBO Max, that type of stuff. I could find it. No problem. I watched it and I kind of said, like, what am I missing? What ironic thing am I missing that Zach is laughing at? Because, Zach, if you honestly like this movie, I want to say this right off the bat. If you like this movie for its movie qualities then hell, you should subscribe to Hulu and Amazon Prime and watch every single fucking Blumhouse movie that's been straight to streaming service. This is no different than any of them. This is just as goofy and stupid and tonally inconsistent as any of those. That's what I'm saying, Zach, that you've blown me away that you like these movies. Because I... We've done four Welcome to the Blumhouse movies on the Cinemodities Patreon. Zach has not been involved with that because we thought Zach would be like, that's below me. But apparently, Zach, go back and watch them. You would love them if you loved this movie. They're on the same level. Once again, folks, he's trying to frame the debate by by belittling me. Please don't buy into this shtick. Let the movie speak on its own merits. He's he's he can't argue against the movie's merits. He's taking shots at me. This is called ad hominem. It's a uh, 
logical fallacy. Don't buy into his shtick. Remember, Rob, I'm prepared for four years worth of men, women, and children. I'm, I've been ready for this. I'm goddamn Batman. That's fine, Batman and we should suit. get into it with Malignant because I can tell you exactly why. I'm not, like, gaslighting you or anything. This is a cookie-cutter story beyond all cookie-cutter stories. That's not – okay. Let's, let's introduce how this movie begins. This movie begins with, like, speaking of Evil Dead, a Sam Raimi-esque opening where you have, like, people being, th- like, comically thrown out of, like, an operating room. And it's like, we already tried buzzing it three times with electric and it wouldn't work. And well, you have all this— my, my note on that scene, which I think you'll appreciate, Zach, which I was totally on board for that scene, that this whole cold open— the movie the movie seriously hits the ground running, as does the camera, because it starts with walk and talk. <laughs> it's all exposition from down low angles about Gabriel the monster, who's, I think, drinking electricity, is what they say? Something like that. What's crazy about that is that was 1993, and that took me by surprise. I was like, usually in horror movies, they're flashing back to, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, all that stuff. But now we're old enough that... 93 is like a flashback time <laughs> yeah that that is great absolutely so i'm with you zach i think Lashawn as well that whole first but, scene is great right but that yes but that is framing the rest of the film like that's okay this is the thing why i appreciate this movie do i think this is an objectively good film is this The Shining? No. Like, I should, once again, this is a men, women, and children level debate of Rob's like, oh, I find this movie offensive. And I'm like, I agree. That's why it is great. <laughs> That's the thing. James, I guess this is the thing where I don't know why James, I, how this movie came to pass. Because I went to, again, between Red Letter Media and just my own research, if you look at the co story credit to this film, it's James Wan and, his, and at the time his girlfriend, now his wife, who plays like crime scene investigator girl with like the giant glasses, who's like probably the only character to survive the Gabriel onslaught at the end. And I'm just, I think they just made this film as a lark. It's like James Wan, this is the definition of a blank check movie in that. He made the studio a billion-dollar film that was probably forecasted, probably best-case scenario, a quarter, three-quarters of a billion dollars. Yeah, And they Aquaman. said, here you go. Yeah. It, w- yes, w- it's the idea of one for us, one for you. So, he's again, he's, he's the master of contemporary horror between Saw, Insidious, Conjuring. And they said, here's a blank check. Here you go. Well, that that's my it. big question is when you you know that the James Wan is this creation creator of all these horror franchises that you've said to us, Zach, you don't like. Why is this different? I know, and that because it it's mocking those films. This is a film that's supposed to be like a spooky house movie. Rob, how many establishing shots do we get of this house that a <laughs> It's comical. Like every single shot is lit from behind and it has a gratuitous amount of fog. And then we have moments in the film where we see the exterior of this house and the interior does not match it at all. In the sense of like the interior is three times larger than the exterior allows it to be. It's it's Cinemati's level restaurant of of like exterior yes. versus interior. Yes, but I, and you're not wrong. I have the note that I dig that this movie uses spooky goosebumps looking houses as establishing shots. So but I'm with the you thing. there, but I feel like it gets this, too the, silly. This movie gets too silly and goofy. I think that's the thing. I think James. Like this is why I think this film is 
like I said, Rob, not all masterpieces are a 10 out of 10. This is James Wan mocking the films that led to his having a career. This is him saying, oh, you want a spooky supernatural movie? I'm going to literally turn that on itself and mock the, as you love the word, Rob, tropes. Everything about this movie is just like it's taking those normal tropes and themes and it's just mocking them to the point where like we have these moments like the idea of having somebody trapped in an attic and it's like, oh, like or a spooky attic with a giant industrial fan that there's no way can fit inside that house. And then we have her we have the character fall through the ceiling. That's like apparently ten a oh god, ten, twenty feet tall. That's yet a great in prior moment. shots. Yeah. The ceiling is maybe seven or eight feet tall. James Wan is not a novice. This isn't this isn't like when you said like, oh, Zach, if you like garbage, there's all this garbage on Hulu. Yeah, the people who direct the garbage on Hulu are dime a dozen filmmakers in quotation marks. James Wan is a master at the cinematic craft. This is the same guy who took Furious Seven halfway through production where Paul Walker dies and was able to never mind keep the film cohesive yet give it one of the most picturesque endings in cinematic history where he didn't just simply give a good ending. He gave an ending that everybody think about Paul Walker died from a car accident where he was known for being the main one of the main characters in a franchise where you all you do is race dangerous like well, I'm not dangerous, but just like fast cars at like dangerous levels. And he was in probably LaShawn probably knows. I don't know. LaShawn, I don't mean to project onto you, but I imagine you have some familiarity with the Fast and Furious franchise. It's, Zach, it's, I understand the points you're making, and I think it's cheap this that is you, not, are, not... you are referring to the Fast <laughs> and the Furious franchise because we have LaShawn here. But you're making good points <laughs> that I have thought. James Wan isn't a novice. That's but, the point. Okay. He's not somebody who just yes. stumbled – like off of YouTube and was like, I'm making a movie, dirt. But that is something I want to get at more. But I, I have to throw it over to LaShawn. LaShawn, we have you here as our almost like arbiter of horror. Like, you know, Zach and <laughs> Zach has come Zach and I have come to think of you as, you know, you are the tiebreaker of horror between us. So since you knew nothing about this movie and you went into it, you watched it, what are your thoughts? You know, what do you think about what we said so far? You, throw it all at us. So I guess my first thing is I'm not seeing this, uh, uh, I guess, the humor in any of this. I feel like this movie was like it unfolded very well. And I will say the, the flashback, you know, like the VHS tape, stuff like that it was really cheesy, of course. But I feel like they used it really well um, just to tie everything together and fill in the blanks. Because, you know, in most horror movies, someone always goes researching or to a library and then they discover someone died in their house. And that's how it all unfolds. But this way, with the VHS tapes, I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. It, it gives you that whole detective feeling. And uh, I don't know. I just really didn't find it too funny. And I thought it was well done with how they unfolded the whole story. Because even in that first scene you don't really pick up on everything going on. And so for me, I didn't even realize that Gabriel was a part of her or any of that stuff. I just was like, oh my God, there's so much happening that going back and thinking about some of the things you guys are saying, I'm like, oh wow, I didn't realize, you know, all these little hidden things, which I don't think most people will. But I thought it was was well done as far as how they told the story. That, 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 that is not, oh God. <laughs> I, uh, LaShawn, okay, I, I don't know where to begin with that because 
this is like I said, I looked at this entirely schlock and maybe because I knew I had a vague idea what was going to happen. So like I I I went in conceding that. I thought, okay, and I again LaShawn, you don't understand the men, women, and children reference, but like this is men, women, and children level to me, Rob. Basically, when, when Zach says men, women, and children, he means that when Zach and I disagree on a movie where he has That's any true. thought on it, and my response is, this is so offensive, it shouldn't exist. <laughs> That's okay, but the point being is that this is – everything about this movie is meant to be schlocky, and it's, it's tongue-in-cheek played extremely straight. It's none of that thing of, look at how crazy this is. It's not self-referential. It never winks into the camera. That's what I loved about this. And that's the thing. Like, throughout this entire – I'd say outside of probably the second half of the first act and the first half of the second act, I was just laughing hysterically through this movie. Like, I, I'm probably tipping my hand a little too much too soon. But, like, there's a point in this, like LaShawn reference, where we see, like, a VHS tape, and we see little Madison on a – Kitty, like, light up neon telephone as we are talking to, like, her, like, disembodied, like, conjoined twin demon. And she's and it's like, Madison, what are you doing? And she just awkwardly hangs up the phone. And it might have been the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's just, it's just everything about this is comical to me. Like, I didn't take it seriously. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's schlock in a way that, like, Friday the 13th part 12 is schlock and that it's being taken seriously. And that's what I love. This is why, like we discussed either a week before this or a week after this, Rob's going to decide the episode order. <laughs> it's that maybe Rob, maybe put this as the third week of Monstober for that reference to kind or that point to be made. That's the thing. And that's why like, I appreciate James Wan so much after watching this. Like I've said, like I think fast and furious seven works very well considering the amount like, like the production nightmare he had with that Aquaman. I remember when that movie came out, we were doing cinematis for almost a year at that point. I remember telling Rob, I'm like, Rob, this movie's literally like insane. Like you have, um, oh god, uh, oh uh, Julie Andrews voicing like a sea monster during the climax. Yeah, that, she's like uh, the Jason Kraken Momoa or rides. something, right? <laughs> exactly. Like Jason Momoa. I'm sorry, uh, James Wan made a phone call and he's like, Julie Andrews, like, would you mind being the voice of like the Kraken in Aquaman? <laughs> and he somehow talked her into it. God bless him for that. And I think and that's the thing. Like, I remember back in the early days of James Wan, like Insidious, Saw, and people thought he was just like larger than life persona. I'm like, I don't get it. Like Saw is built on like one premise. I never like that never connected with me, not to detract anything from the film, but it just never clicked with me. And then even Insidious, I'm like, this is just like poltergeist for a new generation. And even with The Conjuring, how many times have I made fun of The Conjuring on this podcast? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 that notion that like James Wan is able to make fun of the genre that is the foundation of his success, and he was able to get a $40 million budget from the studio to do it. And I think that's where I laud this film, is that like this is so goofy. Like we literally have a sequence where our main character is like put like in a, a, a comically large holding cell with just – Oh God, we have, oh God, lesbian Butch, and we have seventies. Yeah, system mama, see, everything you're mentioning have... is in the in the last act, though. That's my oh, issue. No. It, it's it's like everything before that third act, where it's revealed that there's a conjoined twin in her brain, 
is just boring. That's why I dislike this movie so much. The Wrong. whole the okay, whole first think, lead up think, of oh, I'm what? seeing people getting murdered is just an old episode of Fringe slash The X Files where it's That's, like, yeah, I know what's going on. Just can we get something to happen? I can see that a lot of the setup is boilerplate, but all, there okay, are all of the setup. Co- yes, before the first the last forty minutes, yeah. I disagree. In the first 15 minutes of this movie, you get a Sam Raimi-esque opening. On top of that, you have, like, pregnant woman abuse where we have a man literally, like, punch his pregnant wife into a wall, which is just, like, of all the ways to have a pregnant woman or, like, any woman get an injury, that is – okay, I'm going to sound horrible for saying this. (laughs) That is absurd, and that's what makes it comical. Like, you could very easily have her slip on something. Think about it. There's a, a million different ways to incur an injury to the back of one's skull. And yet they had to have that injury come in the form of a man saying, like, all these weird lines of dialogue. They're just so jarring and unnerving of, like, why are you pregnant again? I see that you're pregnant again and all this. Like, he's just comically sitting on a bed watching a wrestling match, and she just walks in. She's like, she just shuts the TV off arbitrarily, and he punches her, like, what? See, everything you're saying, I agree with, but here's my big thought about it, is that why does this deserve any, like, acclaim or success or us saying, oh, it's so good— when literally we could have found a random VHS from nineteen late 1980s, early 1990s, put it in and seen this exact same thing. It's like James okay. Wan is making a movie from 30 years ago. Why does that deserve okay. any, yeah. any acclaim like right now? I really don't okay. feel like you could put in a VHS from that time and get something like this. That's where I feel like I like this because it's very modern and it takes a different direction than what you are used to. And... All the things that Zach said, those are all cliche horror movie things. You know, you have to have stupid people. And, like, I think this movie is great because the dialogue, so it is weird, but it's very, like, I guess it just sets a tone for this whole movie of, like, nothing's right. Everything just seems off, like, this whole movie. The detectives, the the relationship with the girls and the detectives. The relationship between the cops, like everything just feels very weird through this whole movie. And I feel like the dialogue set it up perfectly for that. You're just always like, what is going on? Why is everyone so uneasy? Okay, to go back to Rob's comment, James Wan has said in an interview that, or I think it would be not an interview, but like in a, I, something on social media he posted, he goes, I wanted to make a movie you would find like in the back of a VHS store 30 years ago. He did say that. <laughs> well, uh, that that I I have to, you know, disagree with you LaShawn on what you said. That I find this to be the least modern thing I've seen in a while. Like this feels 30 years old to me, you know? It's it's <laughs> and I think a, it, because of the filming though. I, like, I feel like they could have taken the story and had someone one better CGI, better makeup, um and just I guess just better acting, like just overall. I I feel like that's the three things that killed this for me and why I didn't give it a better rating because I thought the story was great. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And even writing in that domestic abuse situation, it's like, yeah, he could have, she could have tripped or any of that stuff. But I feel like that's, that's a thing. Like, you know, you're just mad in a situation, you react. So I feel like how they wrote that in, it just all plays in together. And 
none of it seems very cheesy to me, just very normal horror stuff. And I guess I don't laugh at those things in the way that you guys do. <laughs> okay. So I know what you're saying, but here, just to take that and, you know, add some other points. I said earlier, I think this movie is stupid and it thinks its audience is stupider. I hated the fact that in the third act of this movie, they felt the need to say, like characters said directly to the camera, like, oh, Gabriel was awakened when your head was smashed by your abusive boyfriend. (laughs) The reason you had multiple miscarriages is because your conjoined twin was eating them to gain strength. I felt that that was clearly telegraphed throughout me watching the movie. And then they were like, well, no, our audience is stupid. We need to say that to them. Like, this movie treats us as idiots. That's why I hated it. One of the reasons I hated it. But that's typical okay. horror movie stuff, though. Oh, my God, I think someone's outside. I Well, yeah, you know? that, so, yeah like, they're, you're not they're, wrong. Like, yeah, that's, not, that's, not or, atyp- that's not atypical, but that's, like, like, that's, that's one of the reasons I hate horror, though. <laughs> Fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Uh, God, I'm so uh, – okay, Rob. Why is this not enjoyable as schlock yet Friday the 13th Part 12 is enjoyable as schlock in your opinion? I think because I'm going into Friday the 13th Part 12 with the expectation of schlock murder. When I go into a new horror movie, an independent property from somebody who's just created horror franchises, I'm expecting something other than a Blumhouse slash Goosebumps movie, and that's what this was. So, Rob, you don't think there's any merit in the fact of a filmmaker who's world-renowned mocking the foundation that he started off with? You think there's – for him, for a director to basically knowingly make a schlock film and – like you said, it's kind of the idea of kind of – oh, God – passing off a, ta- uh, a dog turd as a, tr- as a chocolate truffle to mass audiences with a $40 million budget, you don't think that's noteworthy at all? See, no, when you put it that way, that's different because I did not see this as a oh. satire at all. There's no way. I thought this was totally serious, just through-the-line, neutral, useless horror movie. I, there is no way, shape, or form on the watch that I went through, I got satire. I would like to watch it again with this notion, but I did not get that at all on my viewing. I did not think it was James Wan making fun of the genre, period. I thought he was playing into the genre to a detriment. Well, okay. That's what I got from this is where This is where I think the idea of a communal viewing alters perception of a film. Because as I watched it, Rachel and I watched this at the drive-in, and like all, like all I did was howl at this. Like, whether it be the mom – at that point, we don't know that she's the mom character. Yeah. We have the mother character in, like, the uh, underground Seattle, and, like, she hears – like, she, t- un- like, turns all the lights off. Then she hears, like, the clanging in the distance, and then, like, she awkwardly is trying – like, fumbling, trying to connect the extension cords back together. And the whole time, I'm just laughing hysterically because that's not going to stop whatever ghoul or demon is in the dark. I'm like, oh, this is just goofy. She's doing, she's fumbling trying to do something that's going to have no impact on the preservation of her life. And I found that insanely comical. Like, we have the moment where she's strung up in the attic, and I'm like, oh, she's basically being crucified. There's no way she could live through this. She's literally like a crucifix. I'm like stuff like that where like I was just laughing at just how like dumb and schlocky it was. And like again, I agree with you, Rob. If this was a Blumhouse Hulu dump, yeah, I would agree with you. 
It's the fact this is coming from someone who understands not just the horror genre, but understands how to make a big budget movie in a way nobody else possibly. I think this is exactly where my question lies for you is that when you say, you know, this is coming from someone who understands the genre, isn't it what we know of your thoughts on the conjuring and the, the insidious universes? You don't like those Zach. That's why I'm surprised you like this movie, but, but the conjuring insidious are supernatural quasi poltergeist movie movies. This is a creature feature. It doesn't tip its hand. Sure. About, two-thirds the way through and even when we first get our like full shot of gabriel and it's like this stupid looking little like skeleton creature with t-rex arms well the, the puppet on the back laughing. of the girl is the it's best the part funniest, of the movie absolutely it's the funniest like I, okay this is the least the part maybe this is my own sense of humor and maybe i am bl- like blending my projection onto the film itself um it's like anything else in life if, if you find a joke funny it's gonna be impossible to explain sure, to somebody sure. why you think it's funny when they don't laugh um but like i said i have never i cannot remember the last time i laughed at ha- as hard in a movie as at the moment we're watching the videotape footage of baby Matt, well, quasi child Madison, like in like it's the dad like awkwardly fumbling with the camera, and it's Christmas time, and she's in front of the Christmas tree on like the glow in the dark like kitty phone, awkwardly talking to the demon, and then the like Madison, and she like like awkwardly like embarrassingly hangs up the phone, like who are you talking to? Nobody, dad, and I'm just like. It was this level of just schlock where I'm like, this is eliciting humor. There's nothing – oh, God, forget about scary. There's nothing um, suspenseful or anything like that. Everything about this reminded me of a schlock creature feature. This movie reminded me more of like a trauma film, and that's the thing. Like as somebody who loves schlock – Again, Rob, how many times have I told you I hate that notion of the, oh, look at how crazy this is. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, like, there's a, like, if you want to look at my opinion, this is my own take on this. You have two ways of doing schlock in contemporary horror. You have the James Gunn Slither way of, oh, look, here's – oh, God, what's her name? Um, Elizabeth Banks. Look, she's super bloated with like worm babies. Isn't this crazy? Yuck, 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 elbowing the audience. And then you have the James Wan malignant way, which is a very specific lens of, oh, we have butch lesbian and 70s mama kicking this woman arbitrarily in a comically large holding cell. That's the part where I'm just like, it's absurd. And I'm not sure how much of the red letter media review of this you delve into, Rob, but it's that level zero. of just it, it, okay zero. It's like Jay brings up Freddie Got Fingered in that it feels like a director that has a lot of money that's just saying, you know what? I not that I don't care, but just I am going to take this money and literally point it right at the studio and do like a Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd level. Just I'm going to watch the shotgun like Buck blow up in their face. And I think – and if you look at the context of this movie, the studio review embargo I think didn't drop until like very, very late Thursday night. Like the studio didn't know what to make of this movie because I went back and rewatched all the trailers for this in preparation for this recording. And the trailers do – the trailers didn't know – I'm sorry. The marketing team did not know what to make of this film. So they sold it 
as a supernatural thriller question mark yeah like i mentioned before the uh from what i got from the trailers it was like that fringe episode where you know somebody's seeing other people commit murder yes. that type of thing yeah um yes so, okay so and now with that yeah with, with that all being said with all that you know what we thought about it what it turns out to be Lashawn, i want to know are you getting this sense of goofiness that I think Zach is portraying for us in his description? Um, are, is that how you felt about this movie? So, no, not at all. And um, I thought the little tiny little bits of humor that were sprinkled in, they were obviously deliberate. They were meant to make you giggle a little bit, but it didn't take away from the thriller part of it for me. So... I got a little bit of, you know, psychological thriller. I got a little bit of the home invasion thing, a little bit of the creatures. Um, I feel like it just captured a little tiny bit of each of those realms, you know, the supernatural thing, because that's what it starts off as. You think it is supernatural, but then it rolls into something else and then it rolls into a monster. And then it's like, wait, what is all going on? And then it even ends back as a psychological thriller of is she really seeing what she thinks she's seeing or what Gabriel wants her to see? And um for me, I guess it was more entertaining. Um, I didn't go as deep as, you know, Zach sounding like he went. But for me, just pure entertainment, I thought that it kept me asking questions. It did unfold in a way that, you know, was kind of annoying where the like the characters were telling you what was going on. But I also feel like at this day and age that there are people that won't put those pieces together like we will. And... They do that a lot in horror movies, so I might I might be a little bit desensitized to it, and I'm not insulted by any means that the characters are like, oh, you know, maybe we should go do this, or maybe we should go do that, or body in the coffin, maybe it's alive and walking around. It's like, well, yes, like I could figure those things out myself, but until it actually happens, you don't know. And um, that last scene Zach was talking about with the the, the jail cell. I thought that was hilarious, but I thought it was really cool. Thank you. I was like, okay, you know, she's in a bad situation. <laughs> she's in a bad situation, you know, and they were explaining, oh, Gabriel shows up when one person's weak. Like, they just wrote it in a way that was kind of easy to pick out, but it unfolded so well for me that I'm not mad at this. I thought this was so entertaining. <laughs> See that—that's like literally when when the Gabriel comes out in the jail cell till the end of the movie. That's where I'm like, I'm totally against this. I can't stand it. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> you want? Okay, you know this is wrong. This is. There you go. Thank you, Sean. Because that is like the finishing move to end all finishing moves. It's like, how are you taking out chair to the back, flung across the room? Rob, I think that I, I, I think I finally figured out the issue with this. Okay, like this is this is maybe the the bookends of men, women, and children. In that, I after, think it after comes three down and a half years, two. we're putting it to rest. <laughs> no, 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 we're never putting that to rest. Okay, okay. I still, no, but this is this is my enlightenment in the men, women, and children dilemma. Is that I have to? I, I know Rob's answer, but Lashawn, did you watch this movie with anybody, or was it a solo experience? This one was solo. Okay. And Rob, I would assume you did not invite the, this wasn't a haircutting party. You this didn't invite is, the entire nope. gang over. Yeah, this is totally solo. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I think, Rob, if this was the same level, like if we, again, and this is the thing, I apologized already. I'm going to apologize again. If I was able to wrangle up Jeremy and Rachel for this opening night, I think Rob would have a hundred. Like I said, I think that's what happened with this. 
Rob went into this with his stoic academia hat on, and it was a little too tight, and it cut off the circulation to his <laughs> fun-loving part of the brain. <laughs> and I think he couldn't see the forest through the trees. And I think, and like I said, it, it, again, if I were to watch this without, like, that's why I, I, it's weird. Like when I tell Rob not to look into anything, I know it's both a blessing and a curse. But it's the idea of I think if Rob and I were sitting in a theater with a, with a couple other people. We would have been cackling hysterically at this because, con- like, when people like laughter is something you feed off others with. Well, sure. Um, it's very, and I think if we sat in a theater with a bunch of normies, I, like I said, that's why I'm so mixed. I think if we, instead of going to Stupid Six Flags and seeing this stupid Candyman 2021 movie, Zach I and I had a all- great time at Six Flags. Uh, LaShawn, don't no, think otherwise. No, you no, know, we had a no, fun time no, together. No. No, I, I want to visit. You know what my snack's going to be for this? I want to go to the alternate reality where we saw this opening night on September 11th or 10th. That's I, my problem. I will See, say, though, Zach, everything you've explained, I would think that you don't like this movie. Exactly. Like, I, it sounds yes. like what the thing is, the things that you're saying that you don't like, you like because you think that it's done in a way that <sighs> – it's hard to explain what it is. Well, that me, I'm okay, hearing, okay. Let but... me let me let me try to answer your question. James Wan, like I said, currently in Hollywood, there is not a. I would say if he's not the most successful filmmaker in blockbuster cinema right now, he's top three. He just is. Like whether it be, like I said, Lashawn. I, I I don't mean to assume, but like I would imagine you've seen every Fast and Furious movie. Am I wrong? Everything but the last one. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> That does that movie doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> this is it doesn't. I saw that movie. I was horribly bored by it. Um, think about Furious Seven. You remember obviously when Paul Walker died in the car accident in what was it uh, November twenty thirteen, and there was that big issue of like oh god like he's like the face of a movie franchise. It's about racing fast cars. How are they going to explain this character's? disappearance from the franchise after this there was a lot of talk back in like november december 2013 even boiling over to uh, 2014 is it like is universal studios just gonna throw out the entire film and just write it off like how are they gonna salvage this and this was james wan's first time jumping from horror to a different genre never mind having to deal with this and never mind, he didn't just make a cohesive film out of it. He stuck the landing to the point where, like, it's the most highest grossing film of that franchise. I think and it's some people that would consider sense, but that a horror movie, it, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Good, that doesn't make sense. The thing is, this movie and, and what you're saying, like, yes, his reputation is amazing. And I get that part. I, I respect everything you're saying. However, with this movie, I don't think cinematically it was amazing. I think the story is what I loved. And I feel like if I would if they would have had someone else maybe direct some of these scenes that could have been better. um, They were just even Gabriel. I feel like when we finally see him, that part's well done. But in the beginning, it's so cheesy that it's like, oh, this is the monster like this little thing like. But it's also yeah. creepy because it's something coming out of another person's body. And that's just like, I think that's what they were hoping for would get the point of cross of like, this is terrifying. But without a great monster, you kind of lose people a little bit. And I feel like that's where I started backing off a little bit from this one was those things or, yes. you know, the setting. Um, you 
you have this random lady in the tunnels, but then she says something like, oh, we're closed. And it's like, why would you say that? But it's like, I'm I'm over here like, oh, this is this is typical horror movie, you know? That's well, that's what they do. But I think, but this is the thing, though, where I, I again, LaShawn, I don't think I'm arguing with you because I think you're taking the movie much more at face value. Rob is, yeah. again, Rob is, what's, what do you want to say this? Um, he is desensitized to my shenanigans. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think especially because... Uh, from you, Zach, and from a lot of the other people I've read online about, that they talk about this movie being crazy because of that third act reveal, that it's a conchoined twin thing. But this That's is, not but I think crazy. This is, That's nowhere I, I near think, crazy. I, I think, I know, Rob, but I think you're taking this, like, literally, it's that old, ad, it's the adage of you're taking it literally, but you're not taking it seriously, and that, like, when people say the third act is crazy, I don't think they're taking this as, like, oh, this is, like, revolutionary. I think they're looking I, at this I guess as I don't ju- understand why, like, Rob, you're saying that it's not, but I, I guess I'm not understanding why it's not. How often do you see a parasite or any of that? Like, there, there are movies, you know, that exist, but yes. this isn't common ground. Well, when, when this is, a, to me, this is a conjoined twin story. They just happen to be conjoined at the brain. And if you have them conjoined at the brain, how does it work? They have to be back-to-back. I have never seen a brain-conjoined twin story before, but I've seen many conjoined twin stories. And that's the issue that I have, is that there's nothing new about this where it's like, oh, if you have two minds inhabiting one body, what do you do with that? Like, The X-Files has a great conjoined twin episode. Uh, Warehouse 13 has a conjoined twin episode. The Fringe episode that I mentioned. The movie Basket Case that I know I've talked to Zach before about. Like, this is nothing new to me. That's why I say it's like another TV movie or a Blumhouse movie. They're just pumping out a horror concept. I don't find it but novel is, at all. But, but this is the thing, Rob. I think you're it's, – it's the context of this. You have James Wan who's known as the super no, supernatural poltergeist filmmaker – and you have a movie that, like you said, Rob, when we watched the trailer for this in front of Candyman 2021, we kind of just rolled our eyes at yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the idea that this, this, was, this was a movie that was sold as another Insidious, another Conjuring, except yep. it wasn't that. It was a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, that, that, that's my question. It was I a have, not, it was I a have not seen the Insidious or Conjuring movies. Is this not like them? No, that's my thing. Not, not even close. LaShawn, I would imagine you've seen one of those at least. All of the above, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Can you please elaborate for Mr. Rob? Is this different from those movies? Yes, significantly. And (laughs) I will say that. Okay, okay. Literally, I'm learning this in real time. I did not know this. (laughs) I don't love the Poltergeist movies. Um, There's another movie that's very similar to this one where it starts off and you do think that it's a poltergeist, you know, extra, not terrestrial, that's not the one, um, the word I'm looking for. Supernatural, something <laughs> Supernatural. like that. Supernatural, <laughs> yeah. thank you. It's The Boy. I don't know if you've seen that one, Zach. The Boy I, does not ring a bell, but I'm going to look into it as you uh, continue to talk. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. That's the one about the doll So type that's of thing, another right? movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very similar to this one where you think that this doll has powers. Come to find out, doll does not have powers. There's a whole backstory to this house and what's going on. And I thought that movie was amazing, but it was not well received by a lot of people because it, they wanted it to be supernatural. 
you know, a lot of people when it comes down to it's a human thing or it's something that could be kind of realistic, they kind of lose that thrill for them. And for me, I'm, I guess I just don't love Supernatural. And that's why I like this one, because it is that, oh, there, does someone have an evil twin telling them to do bad things? And it's like she doesn't know that her body is doing things that, you know, she's she's over here reporting things to the police, but she doesn't realize that she did them. And I think that's like terrifying and amazing. And that's why I love this movie. Cause I feel like that is more of the whole psychological thrillers that I like. And even when it becomes pretty slasher at the end, I think that still gives people what they want. You know, people like that breaking bones in weird places and all of that stuff. I feel like this movie threw a little bit of everything out there. And I was like, you know, for me, it hit most of them. My big question then becomes is. Is this movie just its last act with the crazy movements of the killer of that stuff? Because that's what I've heard people talk about. That's what it seems like Zach has latched onto. What Lashawn you just mentioned? Uh, uh, okay, I, okay, I want to rebut that. I, like I said, I agree. I, I, this is the thing. I think I'm kind of scattershot in what I what I think is phenomenal about this movie. Okay. Like Annab- Annabelle Wallace, our protagonist, from the first shot we see her like walking up the stairs to the house. She has the clearest fake wig ever. Like I always said, the greatest wig in cinematic history was Nicolas Cage's from Drive Angry. This is the set. This is on like the mantle to that. <laughs> this is it's the greatest fake wig I've ever seen. I, every single time she's on like on screen, I couldn't help but laugh hysterically because I'm like, oh, this is clearly a fake like, like a fake piece of hair, and I find it comical. The fact that every single time that like we see her lay her head down. There's always a giant blood stain under it when she lifts her yeah. head up. I am laughing hysterically. I do have multiple notes about that where I'm like, oh, she's still bleeding? <laughs> exactly. This is the thing, Rob. No, I, I think, again, do I – the overall critical thesis seems to be the third act is the, quote, noteworthy part. I'm not going to argue that because that's when the movie really just goes completely off the walls. Um, that's objective. I think we all can agree the third act is when the movie just completely goes 100% unrestrained. I think there are so many parts in this that are just hysterical to me. And that's the thing. Like, where this was, like I said, this is like James Wan said in whatever social media post. I'll go dig it up and I'll maybe I'll send it to Rob so you can put it in the show notes if anyone really wants to go find it. Is that he said, this is a movie, I, I want to make a movie. That you would find like in the back of a video rental store from 30 years ago. And as somebody who grew up going to an independent video store on top of a blockbuster and where I discovered A Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time. You saw all these weird horror covers and they were always like in the back corner away from like the new release wall. This is something I could very easily see in that area because you have those really goofy moments. And I think um, LaShawn said it. Like uh, very early on in this discussion, that like, oh, when we see the hospital in the opening shot, it's like, oh, like, isn't it weird to see something that's listed as 30 years ago and it's only like 1993? And this is the thing we see this like weird, just like, oh, God, what would you call it? Sanator- uh, what, what's the correct term, Rob? Sanatorium? Yeah, sanitarium. Yep. San- sanitarium, excuse me. I got the suffix wrong there. And you see this thing, and it's like LaShawn said, it's from like 1993. Yet when we see the sister go in there, like into the records room, and I love that even when she goes into this thing, like A, she parks on the side of a cliff, which is like I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing at that. She parks 30 inches away from a cliff. 
And on top of that, like she goes to the directory on the wall and it's like first floor. It's like first floor directory, second floor, this. And it's like, oh, records, the basement. And we see her comically <laughs> walk down and we see wheelchairs from like 1860s. Like we see these like wheelchairs they have not used since the 19th century. And I'm just like, like that's the sort of thing that James Wan would be cognizant of. And he's like, oh, yeah. I don't care. Like see, I'm just, and then like we see her dig and she immediately finds the exact record box with all of her sister's well, records where there's videotapes in Seattle, Washington, which is one of the most humid places in the U.S., and all these videotapes, which is one of them, like, again, Rob, you know, again, LaShawn, <laughs> I don't know how much you're aware of, like, home video media. It would degrade immediately in that sort of humid circumstances, and her and the mother are comically putting it into the VCR. And I'm just like, this is so goofy! This is so dumb! And I'm just like, and I love that, like, James Wan, and this is the part where I say where he's so prolific, he did not back into this by accident like it's weird to think of this but like i would love to make a room 237 level documentary on malignant where i'm like none of this is by accident none of this is arbitrary and this and i my ultimate crux of this argument and after this i promise i'll shut up and i'll let you two talk <laughs> is the sequence where they're having the 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 hypnosis sequence where prior to this we see madison's house in this living room area the roof, the roof's clearance is maybe seven, eight feet. And then as the, the hypnosis, uh, hypnotist is walking out, we have the mother character fall through the attic where out of nowhere, the ceiling of the living room goes from eight feet to about 20, 25 feet. And at that point, I'm just like sold. I'm like, James Wan does not care. He's doing whatever he wants to get a reaction out of the audience. And he doesn't care what that re – that's the thing about this movie. James Wan does not care what reaction he gets out of the audience as long as he gets one. And I think he's laughing at this in the sense of not like um, like maliciously laughing at the audience. He just wanted to get a rise out of the audience. And that's where I find this like almost like this is almost a quasi-exploitation film. He just wants a rise out of the audience for in, – in, in, LaShawn's case where he found it genuinely thrilling at some times, or in my case, I'm just laughing at it. That's where I'm coming from with this. And I think this is where I, like I said, I'm trying to tie this into men, women, and children in that, like, I don't think Rob's wrong. I think this movie is an honest to God mess, but I think that whereas with men, women, and children, we don't know what Jason Reitman's intent was. I think with this, in that one statement I've said now like six times coming from James Wine, I want to make a movie you would find in the back corner of a rental house from 30 years ago, I think explains why he made every decision he did. Rob might not like it, but I think you can't argue with the author's intent here. And uh, decline of soapbox. I, I don't know if I completely agree with that because of – the things that made me feel this was like a TV movie, which I mentioned before, I thought this was almost like a a straight to streaming or a sci-fi original movie. I mean, we get stuff, the thing that, that jumps out to my mind, the example that we have not mentioned yet, we've mentioned m many moments of this movie, is when there's there's a moment where, you know, the the main girl goes to the police and she explains her point of view on the whole scenario and the police says back to her, wait, are you saying the killer is your imaginary friend? And I, 
completely expected it to fade to black like for a commercial after that line. And that's where I don't know if I have you completely, Zach. Is James Wan going for a parody of all these things and parodying many things? Because what I brought up as a commercial break almost, you know, doesn't fit with anything else we've talked about. So I didn't get any of this goofiness. And LaShawn, I want to know, if did you get any of this goofiness? So, yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I'm i with you on this. I, I think, Zach, you're giving him too much credit. And a lot of everything you're describing, if, if these same, like points were made about any other horror movie it would all sound like any other horror movie which is why you know rob is not a fan of horror movies because of these things that you're spelling out and you know it is the obvious stuff because for me i feel like this was just another horror movie with a twist but i love horror movies i can i can take off my you know my intelligent my intellectual hat and sit back and, you know, be entertained where I'm like, oh, you are just doing silly things. And, you know, Rob, you kind of touched on it a lot where you said just their interaction with the police in general. That it, it felt like I was watching, you know, um, what's his face in uh, uh, Law and Order? Ice-T? Ice-Cube? Which one? Which? Oh, Ice-T? <laughs> Finn? Finn? Finn Tutuola? <laughs> yeah. Just, just everything with that was just hilarious. Like when the cop is like. She's like, oh, he's showing me video. Like, I'm seeing what he's doing. He's showing them to me. And the cop's like, oh, he's sending you videos? And I'm just like, <laughs> that, that, that exchange is so, like, it's just dumb. But also, that's what I would be saying as a cop if somebody walked in and started telling me these things. And, you know, there's always that one blatant person that just refuses to believe the obvious. And it's that other detective where he's like, no, there's no way she did it. You know, I just, I don't think she's capable of this crime. And it's like... Well, yeah, I mean, she's probably not in her normal human form, but when Gabriel takes over, I mean, she's a monster. Like, just all of that stuff, it's like, it's all cliche. And yeah. I, I think, Zach, you're giving, him, giving this guy too much credit, but it's just another horror movie with its makeup. And maybe he's doing it as a joke, but it's still what people do in horror movies, so it's nothing special to me. But I think the thing about this, like in Rob, and again, we've talked about it a lot, Rob. So there hasn't been a good horror movie in like 20 years. It's that notion of this is like, I don't, again, the guy made, and it's not just the fact that he made $2 billion movies. He was able to re- make a respectable movie while also being zany and goofy with Aquaman. Like, I, I know, Rob, you've never seen Aquaman, right? No, not at all. Lashawn, have you seen Aquaman? No, it's a very goofy. <laughs> it's a very tongue in cheek movie, but not in a way that like Guardians of the Galaxy is where it's just like Chris Pratt calling Rocket Raccoon a trash panda. It's not that type of movie. It's a movie where you can have, like I said, Julie Andrews be the Kraken and it's played 100 percent straight. He also, like I said, he took the Paul Walker tragedy and didn't just able to stick the landing, but made it probably one of the most cathartic endings in cinematic history you're you're not wrong zach i mean if you want to talk about whether or not james wan is a cinematity that's a different question we're talking about malignant right but this is the thing i think this goes it comes down to author's intent i don't think anything here is done by accident or or it's not i think (laughs) no i think i think he made i think he made the closest thing you can make to an exploitation movie under the studio system the I closest mean, thing that a, a studio in 2021 where you are 
oh good lord, spellbound by political correctness and Lord knows what rule rules and regulations, both unofficial and official, by the studio system. He made the closest thing we're ever gonna get to another Sam Raimi level like Schlockfest or Troma Schlockfest. I on mean this when you when scale. you put the the qualifier Schlockfest and Troma esque movies, then yeah, maybe I'll start to consider it. But that's one of my biggest issues with this movie is that it's not anything special. One of my thoughts is literally, are we giving – Not when I say we, I'm not just saying like you, LaShawn, me, or anybody else. I'm saying everybody. All the reviews I've read, are people giving this undue praise because it's been 20 years since anybody's seen a movie like this? Like is this just getting praise because it's fresh in retrospective? Like this – like I said at the start, Absolutely. this is like a 90s horror movie. This would have been a I VHS think, classic. Yeah. Okay, Rob. Like I, I said, yeah, not right. every masterpiece, not every film, not every masterpiece is a ten out of ten. That's all I'm saying. No, not my, not every masterpiece has to be a ten out of ten. But I'm just saying is that you know is this something fresh for the ages and not for all of time? You know what I mean? Well, if that's if that's if that's the case, then Rob, if everything is not breaking the mold, we should dispose of it. Well, kind of, like yeah, any... because if you make 17 more movies like this, I'm going to say the same thing, that this feels like it was from the 90s. But if that's – but if that, okay, Rob, if we're going to judge it by that thing, though, that like, okay, it's like should we discard James and the Giant Peach because it wasn't as good as Night Before Christmas? Should we – that's the thing. Like, If we we're going to judge everything by the fact that like it doesn't hold up to the – pinnacle of its genre ah i, we're I get throw what you're saying everything out. and and no should, of course not i don't feel that way extra, if that's but, the case again no no, this, no, no, no. I, i'm not saying that's what we whole, do what i'm saying is that we take this and we compare it to the things that it should be compared to malignant to me is no different than the many hulu and amazon prime direct-to-video blumhouse things and things like the lawnmower man from the 90s I'm not saying well, yeah, we discard anything. I'm saying we we rank them appropriately. Well, I I but again, yeah. So I I think you hit it on the head though, Rob, because with the horror genre, it's so saturated with the same things that we hit a point. I would say probably 2010, somewhere around there. You guys probably know better than I do. Where everyone was like, "What else can we do? What horror genre, or what can we do within the horror realm?" that has not been done. But the thing is, it's such a limited scope where you have zombies, you have vampires, and vampires aren't even scary anymore. So you can't do vampires. Zombies are hardly scary anymore. So when you have movies like World War Z, you know, people trying to put a spin on the typical things that you would see, that a lot of times it doesn't work because there's a big group of people that just want what they're used to. You can keep making zombie movies and people will enjoy them, but for how long? And I think we're just at that point where you have seen all these horror movie styles done that for someone to go back and start bringing them back like, hey, let's let's go back this route, you know, in a retro kind of way. It's cool. But at the end of the day, it is just another horror movie because that horror genre is all the same. You know, there's only so many times you can do camera cuts. You know, one, you can't do jump scares anymore. That's old school. So you have to do the camera cuts where you build up the intensity of a scene. Even when that guy, you know, her husband, he's down in the kitchen, the blender kicks on. and You're like, oh, this is it. This is when he dies. And then it builds up to nothing. And so they have to do that type of filming and those type of sequences to kind of build 
this horror tension um, because people are so used to jump scares. So now it's like, there isn't a jump scare, but when? And that's when people, you know, kind of really get into horror movies. But really, what's going to scare people nowadays? There's just nothing that hasn't been done. That That's a really neat idea of, you know, there has to be a jump scare, but now when is the jump scare? Uh, Zach, I, I know you have thoughts on what was just said, right? <laughs> well, I, I like, LaShawn's wrong, but at least he's closer to how I'm thinking than you are, Rob. I think you're treating this, like I said, as the academic in that, like, you're looking, you're grading this on a rubric of, like, oh, does it check the box, yeah. yes or no? And that's the wrong way to look at media or, for lack of a better term, art. I don't want to say that word, art, but at least, like, it, like that sort of thing. Like, this is not, this isn't the type of movie to check off on boxes. The same way you wouldn't check off boxes on the Evil Dead or Hellraiser and this is the thing, and this is where I agree with LaShawn, is that, like, this is a breath of fresh air in that, like, in a world where we are suffocated with Conjuring. I can't think about it. This summer we had The Conjuring 3, which was not directed by James Wan, come out on HBO Max. We are suffocated with these movies that are just so stuffy of, like, it's, like God, how many times have I complained about the Duke on this podcast? <laughs> it's the idea of, like, we are so just inundated with this supernatural crap where nothing happens. It's just a dark room. Where something makes a loud noise, very similarly to that sequence where we have the mother character in the Seattle underground when she unplugs the uh, the floodlights. The idea of having a movie – and this is where I think, Rob, maybe the critics aren't explaining themselves properly or maybe you're misinterpreting it. And that when they say this is revolutionary, they're not saying it as in like, oh, this is reinventing the wheel. I think what they're saying is it's it's fascinating – to have a director that's known for this very tired genre of supernatural poltergeist-esque movies, poltergeist with a lowercase p, basically have a movie that's sold as that type of film, then in the third act transform itself, not even transform, but just reveal itself to be a creature feature. And I think that's the thing, is that like we haven't had a, cre- a blockbuster level, like I said, God, 10 figure sized budget for this film, creature feature movie in forever. And I think that's where people are saying this is revolutionary because James Wan was able to somehow get a major studio, Warner Brothers, to give him this money to make this type of film. And I think that's where people are claiming this is revolutionary. And this is why I keep tying this back to James Wan. Because, Rob, if you took any of those Hulu directors that you've talked about on Patreon, which I wasn't aware of, and gave me any of those names and said, could they have gone to Warner Brothers and asked for a $40 million budget to make a schlock fest, they would have been told, no, you stick to Hulu, you jerk. And I think that's where we have to appreciate this. The fact that James Wan was able to make this level of schlock, this genre fair on this scale, and it was able to get to this sort of just plateau. I think that's where, again, like I said, Rob, you know me, I'm very obsessed with the behind the scenes level of all this, how the uh, um, inside baseball of how movies are made. And I think that's what delights me. No, if this was just something that just, like you said, I agree with you. This is 100% something you would see 30 years ago, and that is the intent. And I think that's the problem. You're seeing that as a detriment, whereas that was the purpose of this. Whether you dislike it is fine, but to critique it for that reason, I think, is a follow. I think you've laid out a great, you know, 
level of argument about why this movie should be respected, and I don't think LaShawn would disagree with me about that. But I, I don't know if that's where either of us were coming from, you know, debating this movie, if that makes sense, right? <laughs> that's I where think, I'm at. I agree. But I think that's the thing, though, Rob, is that, like, you went into this with, again, grading it on a merit of does it does it get to this threshold? If it doesn't, it fails. Well, yes. And, and I think and, you that know, was the wrong way to view this movie. I, well, Not well, all I, movies are cut from the same cloth. Uh, that, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think, you know, most people view movies the wrong way until they view them the right way. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, this, this is kind of a great. learning experience for both, you know, I think myself and the rest of our audience. But that's what, what I want to say on this discussion as our type of review of this film. That's not what I got in the slightest about this movie. Everything you're saying makes perfect sense, Zach. You've laid out a wonderful, you know, you know, uh, diatribe of what it means to understand this movie. But that is not what I gathered from it in the slightest. The thing that I gathered from it was the stuff that I've said already that's made me offended by it and thought it was so basic and simple. I thought Malignant was a a common horror movie that was just playing on the tropes and not making fun of them, you know, as you, as you've laid out in your, um, your once again, diatribe. <laughs> I, well, I think in this well, one, I, I agree with you, Zach, in how I, I agree with you in overall view of this, that it is well done. Um, and there are things to love about it and to complain about, but I think I'm with Rob when it comes to the reasoning why every. Rob sees as not likable about this can be applied to most horror films. And yeah. I think you're also giving it a little bit too much credit, Zach, just because I don't see anything groundbreaking. And this is from someone also that loves horror movies, but I can tell you watching this versus Scary Movie 2 or any of those goof movies, it's the same thing. So whether or not the characters are laughing about it, I'm still going to laugh about it. So in scary movie, it is it's clear that this is a comedy. In this stuff, when you know the the cop says to to her, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you walk in and don't you know ask the the psychics for help on crimes, and it's like, who would say that to somebody? But at the same time, if they did that in scary movie, I would laugh, and I would also laugh in this movie, but I would also not take it as a comedy. I would just take it as a funny moment, and I think that you're kind of seeing Zach as an overall, as a comedy, or it's, it's, it's giving you the humor as the whole thing is humor. Whereas I'm seeing a lot of these little things as funny and I'm moving on to the whole theme of it still being a horror movie, which most people don't like horror movies because they are cheesy. Like I hate to say it, but they are. And that's just the way the genre is. And so to go back to it after everyone's tried so hard to reinvent the horror genre, I feel like, He's he was trying really hard to do that and instead failed. And now it's just trying to disguise it as something groundbreaking. Like, oh, this was all a joke anyways. I also can't make a great horror movie that's doing anything different. But at the end of the day, is it still entertaining? Is it still solid? It's just like, like everything on Hulu, you know, Netflix. Anyone can write a script to a horror movie, but it's whether you have good CGI whether you have good acting and this movie is missing all those basic things, but it still has a solid story overall. I, uh, yeah. this is the thing that I think is frustrating. So like, I don't, it comes down to just interpretation of schlock cinema. 
I think like go back to Rob well, and I's favorite most manslaughter. Most people aren't doing that though. That's where that, that matters. Most th- people aren't looking think, at it that. But that's why I think it's a masterpiece in that regards that James Wan was able to do it at this level. Like you, like Rob has said, but he only was able see. to do it because he had the background to stand on. If, if you pitch the same, it doesn't. Like, it, if you wrote this and you pitched it, they would probably laugh at you because it's already been done. But they were like, oh, maybe he'll do something different. And I think his his reputation is all that he had to go on because yes, this is not any, any more special than anything I see from like No Name. I, you know, this is just as good as The Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead, people think, is fantastic and amazing. The Walking Dead is the same as any zombie movie broken out into a TV show. Same characters. You know, you always have this kid that's protected by some older man. That's there. You always have someone that's angry. Like, everything is just so cliche with horror that revolutionary to give this guy this credit there's no way i, I love I, horror but he did I not do anything i don't think it's revolutionary way but it's still the idea that getting this made at this level um uh, what's one he only step got below it made, though, because he is who he is but did he that's deliver not, that, exactly <laughs> well that's the thing though like i again I am so like I said. I, I at this point I don't know if it came out a week before or after Friday the Thirteenth Part Twelve. A miracle is a miracle is a miracle. I don't care how it got done, but I got to see a forty million dollar schlock movie on this level, and that just doesn't happen anymore. We don't get we don't get this type of movie on this sort of scale anymore, and I think that's why this movie. It's not revolutionary. It's not the right word. But it should be admired as just – I don't even want to say an achievement. It should, be, it should be admired for its sheer existence because nobody would get nobody would get this made, never mind want to get this made, other than somebody this, like, that has the clout as James Wan. I agree with you 100% LaShawn in that regard. And that's why – again, the admiration does not come from it being revolutionary. The admiration comes from it existing at this level from this – production house from warner brothers like if this was an independent movie that somehow got by kind of like a paranormal and this is not to compare the movie but just how it got uh brought to the mainstream level and this was like a paranormal activity that was like filmed sometime in the mid-2000s and then it was purchased by paramount and then elevated to this huge just stage that's its own thing but it's the idea that james Wan was able to Get this done completely in the studio system, solely from the clout he acquired from Aquaman, and I think that's the thing. Like again, Rob knows. Like, I've been starved for this sort of just big budget nonsense. I love nonsense, and when I get it at this level, I'm going to admire it in any way I get it. Like I said, I, this is not a movie for everyone. It's barely a movie for anyone. And I think that's what I'm just trying to get at here. Like I said, this is not a movie for me. I'm just disappointed that in the three plus years you've been doing this podcast, that Rob isn't able to appreciate the idea of just all these weird sort of just bonkers notions. That's I think it's not that like I'm frustrated <laughs> with him, Rob. I'm just disappointed with him. Movie's that, like, so dumb. Half, it's, but like I said, though, it's the, but again, it's the idea of I think Rob and I saw this together. We'd be having an extremely different conversation right now i think it's i think move i think this is one maybe core aspect of the late night experience that i i have never really thought about until now is that by watching a movie with somebody 
I think influences how you enjoy it for the first, or maybe not enjoy it, that's not the right word. Maybe how you digest it. Because <laughs> I think if Rob and I were sitting here watching this, whether it be in a movie theater, whether it be on HBO Max in a living room, I think if Rob had watched this with me and I'm just cackling, just dying laughing at a little girl, it's having a slow, like, pan and zoom on a little girl begrudgingly picking up a like a neon glowing phone from her demon joint to win having a conversation with him through this like <laughs> i couldn't stop laughing I, I had to literally in in the driving i had to cover my mouth as rachel yelled at me because i was laughing too hard at this like it was like becoming a scene i was laughing too hard at it and that's the issue. I think if Rob were there for that, regardless of the venue, I think it would have fundamentally altered his, I don't want to say enjoyment, but his digestion of the film. And I think I that's like maybe the biggest lesson. I think he is laughing at all those things you're mentioning. <laughs> I think I he's just looking at it as more of I, a scary movie. Like, you know, is this, this is just goofy to me. I, I can't I think, take this movie seriously. But that's the but this is again the song. This goes back to the men, women, children, men, women, and children dilemma of cinematis. Rob and I think almost the exact like we both interpret the movie almost identically. Our conclusion of it is like night and day, though. There's a, Whereas, there's like, a level like, of whenever Zach mentions men, women, and children, you should think that it's like one person thinks anything about it, and I am so offended. I believe it should not exist. Like, it's offensive to the human species. Um, that's how hard I am against it. And that's Men, Women, and Children. Zach is like, it's a funny movie. And I'm like, it is the most offensive thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's, that's the problem. I was going to say but that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that in the last, like, 10 years or so, horror movies have slowed down pretty significantly. And the last enjoyable scary movie or horror flick that I saw was This Is Us. Or, or even Get Out, I'd say. And those were very original thoughts, original ideas. And I feel like those deserve a lot more credit than saying, oh, somebody brought back something that should have died. It's like you can only make so many Friday the 13th. You can only make so many Nightmare on Elm Streets. I love those movies, but they are hilarious. When you see Jason Folt, you know, two teenagers into a taco with a mattress, <laughs> you know, you're like, How? <laughs> and it's, you know, people running from him. They run into their neighbor's house. It's like, wow, great. You just brought this guy to me and now I'm dead. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, that's that's just stuff that you see all the time. And I feel like he didn't deserve to have been granted this budget for this this project. I love what this was. But if you told me that this was a straight-to-TV movie, I would believe it. And... Really, other than the ending scene where their budget actually seemed like it was coming into play, everything in the beginning looked like it could have been a Netflix original where it was a very small budget because not much happened. The acting wasn't that fantastic. The scenes weren't that intense. And even once you see Gabriel, you know, what did the one guy say? He looks like the sloth from the Goonies or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's right. Like, that. that's hilarious. Like, that's... that isn't anything fantastic and i love horror movies once again but this is exactly like every other horror movie and because of that i love that 
I love horror movies, but I don't think that this is amazing. And I wouldn't sit here and tell someone you're going to love this because if you've seen any horror movie, you've probably can guess how this one is going to go. Yeah. And it's a little twist because of that think... exact reason is why I hate this. Thank you, LaShawn. <laughs> but this is the thing, though. It comes to a level – I think we have three different degrees of uh, appreciation of the genre of horror. We have the Rob level where Rob has not dabbled in any of this, particularly care for it on a good day. Well, not, in, in, terms, ja- not in terms of movies. I feel like in terms of TV shows, I could – you know, run train on you not, guys about not, all these. We're not talking about TV. <laughs> we're not talking about TV though. We're talking about exclusively movies. I know, but I want like, to put that out there. And like, LaShawn is more like in the middle, where he's like, okay, he's able to enjoy most horror movies. Like I'd say, he's able to appreciate them on a multitude of levels. And I've reached the point where I'm just like, I just want something that's so just bananas. I, I will take it in any I'll take it as long as it's on this tier. Like I said, it's not hard to make again, like Rob's heard me say this, LaShawn, you haven't. Getting a Hulu movie made is the equivalent of getting a crap movie in the back of the video rental house in the late eighties. It's not hard to do. All you need is about ten thousand dollars in a distributor, and there you go. Anybody can do it. It's the notion of James... this is bananas. <laughs> and I don't see put... the bananas. I think Tremors is bananas. I don't I know, think this is bananas. But we literally have a $40 million major studio film where in the last 30 minutes we have a Siamese twin burrow its way out of our protagonist's skull and then literally like twist its arms and bones back and just murder a holding cell of 15 women in place. 15 women, like incarcerated women. And then go into a police station and just mow people down where it takes out our two lead detectives by Bill. throwing a chair. At them. That's Bill. not – but that, 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 that's, that's not that, – The that's transformation not is b- totally benign because we know that she has to walk backwards. Like the the movie has previously set up that there's going to be this reversion of bones. So when she breaks her bones to make her arms go the wrong way, it's useless. Like, the movie undercuts itself. I think it was really cool, though. I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, no, just watching it, was, it happen. I think, it was like, cool, but it was, was stupid cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, if you – okay, I, I think I've made my case loud and clear. Um, LaShawn appreciates this movie on a way that I didn't think was possible. Rob <laughs> is just being Rob. Um, this movie sucks. Like, Rob, literally. Uh, Rob, I, yeah, I Rob can't appreciate what it was supposed to be. Rob can't appreciate a miracle when he sees it. I like, would this not is the, recommend the miracle this buffalo. movie. The miracle, the miracle buffalo would be ashamed of him right now. That's no, um, you cannot, you cannot say that, Zach. You cannot. Yes, I am. I'm going to say that the miracle buffalo. No, the miracle buffalo is a living creature that you don't have any control over. So no, 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 no. <laughs> we're losing LaShawn when we talk about this stuff. <laughs> we're making references to things from like three years ago. Uh, I um, guess then that brings us, is there anything else that uh, either, you know, of you would like to talk about with this uh, malignant discussion, I guess, you know? Uh, I, I think I'm all uh, tapped out of what I had to discuss. I think, like, literally, I wish I, I, wish, I, wish I could go... Th- 
I wish I could go through every single moment of this film because I think it's a I think it's a masterpiece <sighs> of nonsense. Oh, that's kind of crazy, Zach. That is kind of crazy. <laughs> we literally have we have a, like like a broad shot of like a security guard. He's like, Miss, you can't be here. And I'm like, oh god, like his pacemaker's gonna explode. And she's like, but no, no, Detective Shaw said I could be here. And until much Detective Shaw isn't here, and he starts like clutching his heart. And I'm like, please let his pacemaker explode. Please let his pacemaker explode. And his pacemaker explodes. And I'm just like, like just giggling uncontrollably because I'm like, this is so goofy. I'm like, thank. Okay, you might want to say these two can't appreciate you, James Wan. We all know you're listening right now, James Wan. Like, I, I think Conjuring's like a hot mess. Insidious is just more Patrick Wilson nonsense. Saw was cute the first like dozen times. Thank you, James Wan. That's all I'm gonna say. Like these two, like I said, Lashawn gets it on a level that I didn't think was possible. Rob, Rob's just a narcissistic mess. <laughs> James Wan, thank you. I want to say from the bottom of my heart. You gave me the best. La- I, I, I'm going to say this now. This is easily. If, this is already my favorite <laughs> film of 2021, and I'm going to be extremely, extremely hard pressed to find a film for the rest of this year that I think is going to be better than this one. I'm just saying that right now. I already had. I ordered the poster last weekend for some reason. The post office. I don't know. Maybe Rob like hijacked a mail truck and decided to like drive it off of like a cliff by uh, a giant like uh, insane asylum. I don't know what happened, but hopefully it's coming by tomorrow. I, I I am delighted that James Wan was able to uh, birth this movie into the public consciousness. Um, thank you, Mr. Wan. You have guaranteed I will buy a ticket to Aquaman 2 because of this. <laughs> oh Zach, you are a crazy <laughs> person. That was insane. Oh, we, we appreciate it, though. <laughs> Do you now, Rob? Do you now? I think, I think yes, you have uh, reached a certain level of recording clout that cannot be matched um LaShawn, thank you for being here on this episode of cinemodities <laughs> yeah of course and now i know a lot about this the man the myth the legend that is uh james wan so i mean <laughs> i see that zach's got some love for this guy and, th- and that's cool that's cool i will see any but, yeah. movie he directs after this no questions asked he has earned my respect i will, <laughs> I will say as you are on your spiel there it made me think of Rick and Morty, and I'll explain why here. Because a lot of people watch Rick and Morty, and it's become a favorite of many people because it's entertaining. But then and there's a, another group of people that love Rick and Morty because it's deep at a whole nother level that is, you know, existentialist this and blah, 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 blah. And it's just the best thing ever when you start diving into what characters represent. And to me, a TV show, show I shouldn't have to dig that hard for. Times, yes, but for for me, I feel like this is a horror movie at the end of the day, and it doesn't matter what you try to dress it up as. It's always funny when you see characters doing things that are so obvious or d- learning things that are so clearly spelled out. It doesn't matter if it is the man, the myth, the legend doing it, and no matter what, I just feel like I appreciate horror movies because they entertain me. They give me a little bit of chills here and there. And this, as a horror movie, did that, did exactly what it was supposed to do because it followed the same exact recipe that they all do. And so I was spooked at moments. I sat there with the characters and I had a moment where I said, yeah, I thought the same exact thing that you're thinking. And, you know, 
there's always the researchers that try to figure out exactly what's going on and save the day and just believe in the science and you know then you've got the whole subgenre of like animal horror movies those are all the same it's always just very little things that you can do that are going to scare people especially once it's all been done so as a horror movie i like this and i recommend it to people for sure and i know that i will but if they're digging deeper i i'm going to tell them it's just not here (laughs) (laughs) but i appreciate your thoughts zach I I am glad to uh, oblige. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, if if there's any final thoughts, uh, questions, snacks, c- c- can we wrap them all together, Zach? I mean, you know, kind of right at the end, I want to ask you: Do you, you think this I'm was better? Say. No, you know, well, no, no. I think a different. You question. know what I'm going to say. A different question that I think you're expecting. Was this better than the Evil Dead discussion? Uh, <laughs> I'm disappointed that you couldn't appreciate this film. Um, you're, so no, you're angry like said, at me when you know I'm, I would have loved Evil Dead, yeah. No, I'm mad at the fact that I chose Candyman over this. Like I said, I'm mad at, I'm mad at myself. Because <laughs> I think if you – I guess it, Rob, in a different reality, you, Jeremy, Rachel, and I would be sitting at the table yep, right yep. a week and a half ago just cackling at the absurdity that was this film. Um, so I'm mad at myself, Rob. If there ever, if there is a true villain in this discussion, it's me for choosing Candyman. <laughs> I am the bad guy here. I am the Gabriel <sighs> of Cinematis this monster. Okay, okay. Cinematis, please forgive me. Yes. So I guess with that being said, uh, answering our questions, Cinematis late night. Uh, Zach, do you want to start? Oh, okay. This is the the, the the one of the few slam dunkest of the slam dunkiest. Um, a hard yes, a hard yes across the board. I've already seen this movie twice. Um, I saw it in a drive-in as a late night movie, and I was delighted. Um, as as a cinemati, of course, like for the aforementioned reasons, and then some. The fact that it's a forty million dollar just schlock fest. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I could not. Get, when it comes to Monstober, I could not think of a better representation of what I wanted to get at when it came to this podcast, specifically within the uh, confines of Monstober. Okay, okay, uh, Lashawn, I want to throw it to you for malignant cinematis late night. What do you think? Um, I would say late night, definitely. All horror flicks are always good late night. And uh, as saying, it's it's a good one to watch with your friends. You're going to have some good laughs. And, you know, I'm sure there will be people hiding behind pillows because there were some moments that were actually pretty, you know, they were intense. They 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 made your blood boil a little bit or, you know, put let the hairs on your back stand up a little bit or neck, wherever the hairs stand up. <laughs> I don't know what that expression is. Okay. Um, and then well. as far as cinematities, I would say... No, not at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting, interesting. So I have to say... Just uh, another four. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm in the same boat as you, LaShawn. Uh, Cinematis and Late Night, no. No. This is too boring and too dumb. Man, this is not a good movie. <laughs> Sorry, Zach. So I guess uh, that brings us to, um, you know, uh, Zach, do you want to give us a or audience a heads up about what we're doing next week, which you've already recorded? Are we doing uh, you tell me, Rob, you're doing the order of all this, which what, I don't even know what's coming. Oh, next OK, OK. I'm, so this is going to cut out Evil Dead, which um, real quick, maybe we can go around. Uh, I love Evil Dead. 
LaShawn, do you love Evil Dead? I do. Oh, okay. Zach, do you love Evil Dead? I appreciate Evil Dead, but it's not the insane masterpiece that this is. Uh, well, okay, we have, you know, maybe 4.5 stars out of that. But next week, Zach and I will be diving into something that we recorded with Jeremy, I think Friday the 13th, part 12, if I remember correctly. Okay, so so we're, I always wanted this to go as the third week of Monstober, but oh, I, I guess thought- it's going to be the second. This is the okay, yeah, okay. Scary Tales is the last one. That's that's probably the easiest way to describe yeah, this, it. Scary this Tales whole is thing, last. this whole thing is just going to be you know able to be edited, whatnot. I I'm I'm just you know looking at Lashawn, who's like I don't care about any of this. This is all like background stuff. So uh, I guess we should say at the end of all this, Lashawn, thank you for being here. We are very happy to have you discuss another new horror movie with us. Hey, thanks for having me, and Zach, appreciate all the good conversation and different uh, points that I did not consider when I first watched this. So thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you for coming on, LaShawn. Thank you for being uh, a guest to this, uh, to Rob's ignorance and just folly. <laughs> we need a witness for these sort of discussions. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I will put all the uh, appropriate links in the show notes for you to listen to and watch LaShawn's YouTube channel, LJ's Garage, where he discusses cars and vehicles and all that type of stuff. And I guess the last thing we have to say is how we end this episode. Well, it has to be, as we said, our opening credits in reverse. Did you have oh, some? Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, yes, I do, Rob. There's a song play in this movie. Oh, um, you yes, really want to go with the uh, yes. the uh, the Pixies? Where's my mind? No. No, you're painted. No, there's a song in this movie by Brian Ferry called "Your Painted Smile." Jesus, Rob, God, I'm the only person who actually cared about this. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do snacks, which means we're going to the four. It's going to the four-year extravaganza. Did we, did we yes. really not do snacks? I yes, thought, oh my I God. waited. I deliberately. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I'm going to be able to get a redux on this in a couple months. Suck it, Rob. <laughs> Suck it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get my appeal on. Okay, Lashawn, you are. You have a hundred percent legal responsibility to hang up right now. This is just Zach and I. You, Lashawn, you have a hundred percent legal responsibility to hang up because I'm gonna. I'm gonna turn off my camera. Yes, thank you. Okay, Bye, Lashawn, Lashawn, I'll talk thank you later. Thank you for being a good sport. Uh-huh. There's okay. no way we did not. <laughs> suck it Rob I deliberately kept my mouth shut in the spreadsheet no snacks which means I get it I get it I get my appeal come on oh, okay. it, you're right you're right you're right yeah suck it Rob this is the price you pay for not Dude. recognizing excellence uh, <laughs> let me uh hold on uh, the file is still recording I don't care. I, I will Lashawn not. didn't give a snack, so it doesn't count. I won't turn it off, so, you know, we could do whatever we want. I'm just saying. Yeah. Malignant sucked, man. You suck. Malignant you suck. was fucking boring as hell. What a it's basic piece can't... of bullshit, like, turn, twist, quotes, twist in the end. That shit didn't matter. That was terrible. Just because you don't have a good sense of humor, don't take it out in the movie. I, you know me. Okay, so... Let's let's get real talk right here. <laughs> Why the hell does this have any relation to Freddy Got Fingered? 
I know you sent the me the man, the backwards man. Okay, backwards yeah, I get man. that the backwards man, the backwards man, you know, because it's a face in the back of her head. I watched the first bit of that red letter media review where Jay said he was like, This reminds me of Freddie Got Fingered and I perked my ears up and he said, in the sense that somebody got a green light for a movie that no studio would ever have green lit without previous success. And that's the loosest connection to what a Freddy Got Fingered concept is. I don't think this movie is Freddy Got Fingered. I think it is something well beyond that. You know what I mean? Well, I think the point he was getting at was the notion of somebody like taking their pre-existing clout and just, like, turning it against the powers that be. Like, they expected a very specific thing, and they got the exact opposite of that. Okay, if, yes, that is not unique to Tom Green in 2001 at all. Yeah, but on this sort of, like, level, just making something that is just so bonkers. No, I'm not going to argue with you. This is not, the more extreme of the This tale, is the but... thing that I was saying in our recording. This is not bonkers. Nothing about malignant is bonkers. Malignant is basic as hell. I know, but it's it's not it's not basic considering the people who are buying it are the most basic people in the world. What it is, it's like it's like selling a filet o fish to somebody expecting a big Mac. No, and you're right, and you're right. If we want to discuss who you're selling it to, you're absolutely right in terms of story. That's where I'm coming from. This is the least original thing. In existence, I, I I vehemently disagree to that uh, description. Where, what? I mean, I don't like think I it's said, a like I, I said, X Files, Fringe, Warehouse 13, Law and Order. They've Rob, done conjoined twins episodes. Rob, 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 if we're gonna throw out everything because it's not the most original thing to exist, then ninety nine point nine percent of media should be discarded. I agree with all... you on that fact, but I'm saying at the same time. Nobody can come here saying that this is the an original or a a wildly original any, screenplay. I don't think anybody's claiming it's a wildly original. Okay, I think it's well, the thank fact you. It's a fresh, that, that's fresh what I've been hearing. That that's what I've been hearing. You told me about this, and you said this is crazy. We should watch it. Everything else I've been hearing about is that this is the most insane thing. That's it why is I relative came relative to what the. It's crazy relative to all the other nonsense they keep churning out. That's what I'm saying, is that this is not anything original. It's something new for our time. Well, yeah, if that's the case, then, then like, like I said, if, if we're going to distill everything by the fact that whether it's the most creative thing of its, of its genre... No, like I'm not, I said, I'm not baby... saying we rank any of the things based on this. I'm just... I, I just really want everybody to know that this is not the first time any of this has happened. I don't think anybody's claiming that, though. That's fair. Good. Is anybody claiming this is the most original thing to ever exist? I think it's the notion of James Wan, who's known for a very particular shtick, released something that was under the guise of this very particular shtick and then pulled out the rug from it, pulled the rug out from underneath a bunch of normies. And that is good. I'm fine with that. Okay. Good. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> I gotta find you the goddamn nowhere in for that movie. That movie was so good. <laughs> oh, uh, you goober, you. Yes. <laughs>